In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Uh, every year, uh, since I was a, a little boy, and uh, my parents would uh, drag me to church every Christmas season, I've heard uh, some, some version of the same Advent sermon almost every year. I'm sure you all have heard it as well. And, uh, and that's that Advent is the Christian season of waiting. Uh, the preacher reminds everyone that uh, beneath the hustle and impatience, commercialization, and excitement of the Christmas season, Advent is a time in which we pause, hit pause on our lives, and reflect uh, what the Christmas season is all about, and that's Christian patience, waiting, the hope and expectancy and attention as we await the arrival of our salvation, the arrival of Christ, both in the world and in our lives. Uh, but as I sat down to write this sermon this week, I thought to myself, who in the dread latter days of 2020 needs to be reminded to wait? I don't know anyone who isn't waiting. Who needs to be reminded to hit pause on their lives? The whole world this year has felt like it's been on pause for so many of us, uh, as we all feel somewhat powerless as we've been suspended in this, uh, this strange moment as we're waiting for what's going to happen next. And we're waiting for different things. We're waiting for vaccines. We're waiting for the schools to open back up. Uh, we're waiting for the economy to come back. We're waiting for when we can see our friends or our grandchildren or our loved ones. Uh, we're waiting for simply a time when we can go back out in public again or fly on a plane without feeling guilty about it. Uh, we're waiting for the office to open back up and for when our lives will assume some degree of normalcy. And I, and I don't want to preach uh, the same Advent sermon that I've heard so many times uh, before, because for, for so many people I know, the sort of waiting we've been forced to endure in 2020 um, hasn't been full of joy or hopeful expectancy, but there's been a lot of dread and a lot of anxiety as we worry and wait for what's coming next, both in our lives and in the world. What is this world going to look like when this is over? Will it ever be over? Uh, for so many people I know, people that are very close to me, uh, the story of their lives, which made sense to them, even just a couple years ago, all of a sudden has hit this point where their lives just don't make sense anymore. Uh, for so many people, perhaps you listening this morning, uh, the future which once felt stable and certain all of a sudden feels shaky and thrown into question. And I think that this anxiety is, is hitting people from all sorts of different angles. It might be your job. Uh, the, the vocation you've dedicated your life to, worked at for decades, all of a sudden feels like it's becoming strangely out of place or obsolete. Uh, does this job matter like I thought it did? Does it make sense in this brave new world that we're entering? Is it giving me the fulfillment and happiness that I thought it would? Or maybe it's your family or it's your marriage. Um, the relationship that was the solid rock of your story all of a sudden is being revealed to have scary realities. All of a sudden, it feels like it's on shaky ground. Or maybe it's some institution or political party that was a pillar of your life and your identity. Maybe, uh, it was maybe even the institutional church, um, where all of a sudden its meaning and significance is thrown into question in this moment that we're all experiencing. Um, and when these things happen, the meaning of our story what gave our life some coherence and solidity and meaning, um, can, uh, we can start to lose it. We can lose touch of it. 
and it starts to look, uh, the, the future can start to look scary as we, uh, as we try to understand what's coming next. And I think it's when we hit these desperate moments in our lives, when we lose the meaning of our story, that it can be difficult to celebrate the Advent season. Sometimes Advent hope can feel like simply another voice of positive thinking that we've all heard so many times this year. Buck up, hang in there, this time won't last forever. We all just need to survive this time, and uh, it'll all get back to normal, I promise. Who hasn't heard these phrases? I know I've said these phrases uh, quite a bit to my friends and loved ones. And uh, this positive thinking isn't always helpful or hopeful or positive. Uh, uh, sometimes uh, it can feel like a vague sentimental optimism, um, the voice of a, of a well-meaning uh, parent, maybe, uh, who uh, doesn't understand the deep realities of what we're actually facing in this time. And, uh, and, and this isn't hopeful, because this feels like this is some sort of sentiment that's covering over the harsh realities of the world as it actually is, the world that we're actually facing each day. So I think that the question before us today, and maybe the question that you're facing today, is how do we celebrate Advent? How do we celebrate the fulfillment of God's future promise in our lives uh, when our future feels unstable? How do we celebrate the hope and the meaning of the Christian story when we've lost the meaning of our own story? But I think it's precisely in these moments when the deep meaning of our own story is thrown into question that the unique and the profound strangeness of the Christian story is brought more clearly into focus. And I think we're able to see the gospel drama with fresh eyes. That same story we've heard every year throughout our lives is all of a sudden seen anew with the same wonder and the same excitement that shook the world 2,000 years ago. Because 2,000 years ago, the ancient world, like us in the modern world, uh, they thought for sure that they knew the meaning of their story. Uh, for most of the ancients, uh, uh, the meaning of human history had culminated in one reality, and that was the triumph of the Roman Empire. This was the meaning of history, and it was, for most people, it was undeniable. Uh, the city of Rome had stood for nearly a thousand years. Think about that. That's three times longer than America's been around. And uh, it had founded an empire that they believed would stand forever. Rome was referred to throughout the ancient world as the eternal city, uh, the poet Virgil in the Aeneid described it as the imperium sine fine, the empire without end. It was the lights of Rome that was bringing light and hope to the dark corners of the barbaric world. It was the empire of wealth, reason, freedom, prosperity, and its providence of history was confirmed by the fact that it had conquered the entire known world. If there was one thing that the ancients could count on, it was that the lights of Rome would burn forever. Or consider the Jewish people, the ancient Jews who believed themselves to be God's true chosen people, were a tiny tribal people in the dusty deserts of Palestine whose entire history was a history of being conquered and enslaved by warring empires. For 700 years, the Jews were a conquered people, first by the Assyrians, then the Babylonians, then the Persians, then the Greeks, and now finally they are under the dominion of the greatest empire the world had ever seen, the Roman Empire. And like so many people in 2020, the world in which the ancient Jews found themselves was a world that had been turned upside down. The ancient inherited values didn't seem to make sense in this strange new Roman world. 
It is a world in which the promises of their faith and their hope all of a sudden seemed bleak and shadowy and paradoxical. History no longer made sense. There was anger, rebellion, and political unrest. And yet, in spite of all that confusion, the Jews, too, thought they knew the meaning of their story. And it's that one day God would raise up a Messiah, a military leader who would drive out the conquerors, drive out the godless, and restore the Jewish people to their proper homeland for proper worship. This was the meaning of their story that had been prophesied. But for all these ancient peoples, Jews and Gentiles, who thought they knew the meaning of their story, there was another deeper, more primordial reality that was unfolding beneath the surface of human history. In a tiny desert town on the outskirts of Israel, the secret meaning of the world and time and human history was being revealed. Without any newspaper reporters to report it, without any cell phones to Instagram it, without any politicians to fight about it, without any tweeters to tweet about it, the hope of the world, the image of the unseen God, what St. Paul in today's reading calls the mystery that has been kept secret for ages and ages, is growing in the hidden depths of Mary's belly. So the Roman Empire, the Imperium Sine Fine, the empire without end, it turns out, had an end after all. The eternal city did not last forever. The Messiah the Jewish people thought they had been promised, the military leader who would drive out the godless and restore the Jewish people to the Holy Land, did not arrive. As the unfolding drama of human history would show, what these people thought was their true story turned out to not be their true story. The story that these ancient people were convinced gave their lives shape and meaning, though their lives that had been thrown into question were all of a sudden subverted by a deeper, more primal reality. And so you, if you, like so many people in this strange moment of 2020, uh, are suspended in a moment of crisis, a real moment where, uh, where your story no longer makes sense. This may actually be an opportunity to recover the unique hope that the Advent season promises, and it's this. What you think is your true story may not be your true story. Advent hope is the hope that God is at work in your life and in human history in the mysterious depths of reality in the ways the world cannot see. Because the promise of Advent is not the promise that God is going to show up and complete the meaning of what you think is your story, but rather it is the promise that you have been mysteriously and freely been invited into the infinite story of God. And what is this story of God revealed in Christ? What is this revelation that St. Paul describes in today's reading as the mystery that has been hidden for ages and ages? And the mystery of Christ is not merely a revelation about the meaning of history, though it is that. Nor is the revelation of Christ simply a revelation of the mystery of who God is, for it's that too. But rather, in a profound sense, Christ is also a revelation of the mystery of who you are in your deepest and most hidden reality. Because you're an infinite mystery. Each and every one of you is an infinite mystery stamped in the image and likeness of God. And ultimately, the mystery that's been revealed in Christ is the mystery of love. And, and I wish that the word love wasn't so sentimentalized in today's culture, uh, because the love that's revealed in Christ is anything but sentimental. In Christ, in fact, love is revealed to not be a sentiment at all. Love is not a feeling. Love is not a heart emoji. Love is not some personal emotional state. 
that covers over the harsh reality of your life. Rather, in Christ, love is revealed to be your true destiny, the promise of reality itself. This is the revealed mystery that has been hidden from ages of ages. As the psalmist says in today's reading, your love, O Lord, forever will I sing. From age to age, my mouth will proclaim your faithfulness, for I am persuaded that your love is established forever. And this love which has been established forever is the true meaning of your story. It is the infinite reality which persists in the hidden depths of what you think is your story. Uh, just by way of example, I, I, I want to look at um, the famous film from 1941 directed by Orson Welles, uh, the movie that's uh, widely regarded as the greatest film of all time, uh, Citizen Kane. You may have seen it. Uh, it's the story which chronicles the death and its aftermath of the multimillionaire newspaper mogul Charles Foster Kane. And uh, as the movie unfolds, uh, you realize what a charmed life uh, Kane has lived. He comes from humble origins, but his family inherits what uh, he thinks is a worthless gold mine that turns out to be full of gold, uh, making him one of the richest men in the world as a, as a child. Uh, he attends all the Ivy League schools. He takes over newspapers and garners wealth, power, and prestige. He becomes friends with Teddy Roosevelt uh, and even starts to look at running for the presidency himself. This was the rise and triumph of Charles Foster Kane. It was a charmed life, and it was a charmed story. Um, but the movie opens up with one of the most famous scenes in all cinematic history, and it's the final moments of Charles Kane's life. And the camera begins by probing through all the dark hallways and porticos of Xanadu, Kane's uh, uh, now empty uh, palatial mansion. And the mansion has uh, become overgrown with vines, and all the animals that once inhabited the zoo that was on his uh, estate have all been relocated, and it's empty. And we find Cain alone on his deathbed, and he's holding a snow globe. It's a very famous scene. Um, and just before he dies, he utters the famous phrase, Rosebud. Uh, as he utters the words, the globe slips from his hands, and it smashes on the floor. And, uh, and, and the movie, in some sense, um, is all about a newspaper reporter, uh, Jerry Thompson, who was tasked with uh, discovering the meaning of Cain's final words, Rosebud. And, uh, and we don't discover, uh, discover until the very end of the movie uh, where this phrase comes from, and even then we don't discover what it actually means. The movie closes with one of Cain's uh, warehouse workers. You're in one of these warehouses where they've stored all of his treasures that he's accumulated over the course of his life, and he has warehouse after warehouse full of treasure, and uh, one of the warehouse workers is working there. And the warehouse worker says, I don't think any one word can explain the whole of a man's life. And right after he says this, we get this famous uh, cinematic series of shots as we uh, merge on a close-up of the word rosebud, and it's printed on a sled um, that has been tossed into a furnace, and the word is disappearing as the flames en uh, engulf the, uh, uh, the sled and the paint starts to peel. And we remember if we've seen the movie, that this sled was Cain's childhood sled, uh, the sled that was taken from him as he was torn from his family and sent east to boarding school. Uh, and why is this one of the most popular films of all time? Um, and I think it is because all of us, in some sense, are Charles Foster Cain. Uh, each and every one of us has a rosebud. 
We all have an infinite yearning which persists in the mysterious depths and hidden corners of our inner inner lives. Uh, We all have a deep reality, the secret of our true story, which persists beneath the surface of what we in the world thinks is our story. And this mysterious longing uh, is difficult to describe. It's, uh, It's some strange mixture of yearning, hope, and pain at the very corner of who we are that is desperately seeking fulfillment. It's like some yearning for something we've lost which we're not quite sure we ever had. Something like our lost childhood innocence. Something like the desire for some messianic connection with another person. Uh, Something like security. Something like the desire for transcendence. Something like the yearning for the moment to arrive that somehow completes the meaning of our lives against the flux of time. It is something like infinite love. And, And for Cain, the name of this mysterious longing was Rosebud. And it was the secret meaning of his true story which persisted beneath what he and the world thought was his story. So this Advent season, if you find yourself in a strange and uncertain moment um, in which you've lost the meaning of your story, the world which you used to exist in uh, now no longer makes sense, Um, it might be a time to take a step back and reflect on the whole story of your life from childhood until now, and remember that in the deepest sense, the whole of life is Advent. Life is Advent. This is your true story. The whole of life is a mysterious yearning and waiting for the coming Lord. And make no mistake, the Lord is coming. He is always coming. And when he arrives in the world and in your life, he may arrive in the places where there are no news reporters, There are no cell phones to Instagram it. There are no tweeters to tweet about it. The Lord does not arrive to complete the meaning of what you think is your story, but will arrive to meet you in the hidden depths of your true story. Your love, O Lord, forever will I sing. From age to age, my mouth will proclaim your faithfulness, for I am persuaded that your love is established forever. Amen.